Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, a podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Karen Orton in one of our special podcast series on leaders' life stories. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Ian. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. So we were talking beforehand um, and you've just had some nice time in the sun, haven't you? So welcome back to the UK <laughs> with some uh, rainy and dark weather. Yes, no, absolutely. It's um, grey skies all round, but I am grateful right now because it was pretty hot this week. But um, but yes, happy Friday. Yes, absolutely. So let's um, <clears throat> let's get into it then, so that people can understand who you are and uh, a little bit about your role. Then, so 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 tell us, you know, who who are you and what your role is today? Okay, so I'm um, a founder. And this isn't in order of priority at all, yeah? Because um, yeah. all of these roles are just so important and, and, and so part of who I am. So I'm a founder, a business leader, a mum and a wife. And I suppose I'm, I'm on a mission, really, to, to change the, the workplace, um, which, is, which is why I founded Scoutess sort of six years ago. And, and that sort of ties in, Ian, to your, your question around sort of what is your, your role today. So I've been a people leader for years, and I suppose I've seen how challenging leadership can be. So I've been lucky, maybe, to find and know that it requires diversity of thought it requires open-mindedness and real grit really and yeah. that's something that in my career as a recruiter I saw that was really lacking and I suppose my whole mission has been to build an inclusive leadership team both yeah. within my businesses and teams of career and now to help organizations do that so that we can tackle some some huge business problems right now. So yeah. six years in, and and that's what we're doing, and making sure that the workplace is open for everybody. And I specifically do a lot of work um, supporting those who are most underrepresented globally, which is which is black women. So so what is my role today it's to support it's to accelerate cultural change and it's to break down barriers and open up the workplace for everybody that sounds really good nice <laughs> strong opening um opening answer there i like it so i mean you must have seen then karen over the last you know period of time how much leadership has changed in <clears throat> in both your interactions and i know you are I think that that the way you describe it, you're on a mission, and and every conversation we've had, it's really clear that it's not just that things are important to you; they they are like just like part of you. You are absolutely on a mission to change things, and you provoke conversation in 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 how brave and bold you can be in in sort of sharing experiences that that you know your candidates have and that you have in in trying to change mindsets but I just wonder you know in in your engagement with people are you noticing the the requirements for leadership changing or or is it still kind of walking through treacle 
I think that's a really, really interesting question. And I love that you use the word provoke because it makes me smile so much because actually a part of our mission is to provoke action. And I think that's probably something we should be doing all the time, particularly if we have a real passion and a purpose around something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I believe that there's an element of still treacle for some. Yeah. But actually, leadership should be about our open mindedness. We live in a culturally diverse world. So many leaders are managing global teams. Um, And, you know, if I think of me as a mum, you know, and and I know there's, you know, we'll probably talk about sort of backgrounds. And and if I think of, you know, my daughter, her whole network and friendship group are multicultural. So an ability to understand diversity of thought, be empathetic. And I I think have the openness to challenge yourself. Yeah. Something that all leaders should do. But but what I do see, and I think that gap's getting wider. Leadership's getting harder. Mm-hmm. There are so many challenges, aren't there, that leaders have to face and navigate at, at such speed. But that behavioral leadership gap, I think, when it comes to inclusion, when it comes to diversity, I yeah. think for some is widening. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's um take it take you from where you are in the here and now and just like go back a few years. Okay. Um talk to us about you know your first memory growing up. How how does that kind of and and really kind of dive into it if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, for for sure. So I've been surrounded by people all my life, which is really strange as an only child. Um, but my mum was one of 12 and they weren't the largest family on the street. Yeah. An Irish, an Irish Catholic family. Yeah. My dad was one of four as a, as a St. Lucian. And so my early memories were people always. Um, and, and I think this is so relevant when you start to reflect, don't you, at different stages Mm. in your life and different chapters and you think what's got me to here yeah what what what's made me who I am and think the way I do and so I remember really early on and it's a little bit of a lesson but I I remember my mum and dad were in hotels so of course I was surrounded by more people and Mm. those people in hotels fascinated me because they were from all walks of life in terms of guests in terms of individuals who worked there from porters chambermaids up to general managers and the cultures of the guests. So I was fascinated from day dot by people, by Mm. behavior, by why do they eat different foods and do things differently? So my first memories was people. My other memories was fun. And that's so important in terms of me and what I want in my next chapter. Um, So, you know, I mentioned that cultural piece and my heritage, you know, a lot of singing in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mom had a great voice. You know, she'd sing big family. They'd all think they'd sing anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at any time. My yeah. dad loved his music. So the old gram back in the day yeah. would come out. So there was a lot of energy. Mm. 
um, in our house. Yes. And that energy, I suppose, sort of helped me to, to sort of really enjoy and have fun. And I think if you have fun, it does sort of change your outlook. It puts things into perspective. So I honestly, you know, I look back now and I really had a fun and don't get me wrong, so many challenges, but that positivity just enabled me to maybe have a, a level of resilience. But yeah, early memories growing up, hotels surrounded by people, yeah. um, fascinated by different cultures. And I'm grateful that I had that that exposure so early. Um, that really paints a, a lovely picture for me, actually, that, that kind of I'm just imagining as you say, all those people around um, music and the and the the energy and 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 you can see how that comes comes out in you today, actually, in in, in the way that you talk and the way in which you you go through life. Yes, and and you know what, you you just I've always people say they love people, don't they? But mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by how people behave. I've always been curious. I know now why I love to travel, because when I've heard different people and stories, I've just wanted to go and experience it. And I suppose as my mum and dad had moved from countries to the UK, um, I always knew there was another world out there. Do, do you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, a big wide world. And that really excited me. And it excites me still today. Mm. To, to... Yeah, that, that is interesting because... Me, on the other hand, um, I remember and thinking, looking back now, how small my world was. So growing up in the Welsh Valleys, if somebody moved to the valley next to us, it seemed like that we'd lost them from the face of the world. They disappeared, you know, <laughs> and, and yet they were five minutes down the road. So in, in the sort of Welsh Valleys, it was very much a insular experience for me and not quite appreciating how big the world was because my world was such a small thing and and that is yeah I, I think that's so interesting and powerful actually because I I grew up in London so big city I suppose people all the time you yeah. know going to school on the tube yeah so surrounded by people at every point Absolutely. and I think as you meet different people, it is about understanding those differences, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think I was really conditioned early on to love being surrounded, but don't get me wrong, I still like my quiet time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to close that door mm. and be alone, yeah? yeah. Um, yeah. It's important too. Okay. So let's, so let's join the dots then between those early memories and what you've already explained. So talk to us about that kind of middle part of your journey. So, you know, maybe a little bit about your your schooling and your education and then kind of your first jobs and and, and when you kind of thought recruitment and people was mm. what I was aiming for. Yeah, no, it's... Um... It's so interesting to to do that, actually, yeah, in, in terms of one to have this conversation. But I think it's something we should all probably do at some stages, do that reflection piece. So I my, my relationship with school was interesting. Um, I wasn't a natural academic. Yeah. Um, both of my parents didn't really have an education. 
um and but but I was always told I I knew school was important but to be honest if I probably look back now and think about my school I I probably had a level of dyslexia I would say but back in that day dyslexia wasn't really a condition it was just that you were slow yeah. yeah, and I'm saying that politely, yeah, yeah. In, ter- in terms of classification. Absolutely, yeah. um, And so I played <laughs> a <laughs> lot in school because I like people and I chatted a lot. Um, what really changed for me is that my mum and dad identified I needed some help. And a hero for me was my tutor. And I probably was about eight. And my dad had to do two jobs. My mum had to do two jobs to enable me to have a tutor who would get me really passionate about reading and writing. Mm. And honestly, Ian, she changed my world. Um, It stimulated me. I loved reading. She would read to me. I'd read out to her. And I just thought there's a whole world of knowledge and learning and adventures that Mm. I could get through that. Um, maths was a different topic, but I, I was able to, um, I am no mathematician, but actually it's really interesting, isn't it? Because as a leader, you need your numbers and yeah. P&L and all those metrics. But she enabled me to understand the process. So I then went to um, uh, an all uh, convent school um, and that was interesting. Um, what I think shaped me was that I was put in the bottom set, okay. yeah, in school. Yeah. And I knew that I had to really work hard. And yeah. I think that's been the whole pattern for mm. my career. Yeah. And so to sort of fast track into my my first role, I did wellish at school, came out, you know, with 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 good grades and, and A levels, but I had to work hard. But I remember every time I went into another class, I thought, how come these guys are in this class? Because actually, I think if I work harder, I could be better than some of them. So there was a bit of a competitive element coming Mm. out. Yeah. I I worked from an early age. I collect glasses for for dad in the bar at six. Yeah. Um, Mm. He couldn't put me on payroll. That would be illegal. Um, Mm. But I get paid in crisps. Yeah. Or or (laughs) chips or KFC or whatever it was that I get at the end of a, a shift. My first role was then I did the milk round at about 10. And then I had a role at 15. And I just, it was a sales role. It was actually in a shop. I got promoted, became supervisor, won a really great trip, honestly, um, for selling shoelaces or something like that at that time. But the reason I'm saying that is when I look back, It really was where I loved people and I probably was quite a natural leader in that positive, probably a bit bossy, to to be fair too. Um, And that's where I really cut my teeth in terms of feeling that leadership might be for me. So I then moved, which was probably natural, into hotels. I'd spent most of my life in Um, So, And I worked in a really big hotel in London, And I moved through the ranks really, really quickly from starting reception to reception manager, then to duty manager. Quite tough times, 
some real experiences. So things like the IRA were bombing at that time, had to do a lot of evacuations. I had some suicides when I was um, a, a manager there and, and some real moments that I think also shape you and mm -hmm. build your confidence too. Um, so I moved then from operational into learning and development. That people fascination just grew. And I specialized within management development and leadership. So that whole, why do individuals think certain ways and behave certain ways and what really, you know, dictates those individuals who are at top of their game. Yeah. And I, I really love that. And so I did that in, um, in London. I then moved to the, the Midlands. Um, and I suppose at that time, I loved learning and development, but I, I felt I wanted something a little bit more commercial. Mm -hmm. And that's how I fell into recruitment. And I think when I look back now, it is such it was not my career path in terms of I didn't know what I wanted to do. What I knew early on was that I was driven. What I knew early on was I loved people. I forgot to say I knew that I wanted freedom in terms of, I suppose, earning well. Um, and so, you know, recruitment enabled me to work within a business environment, that whole talent piece and the business strategy piece, but it also enabled me to, and I, and I, and I really take what I do and as recruiters we should so seriously because a job changes people's lives. Mm. And so I fell into recruitment and I loved it. And I worked for two really large um, recruitment firms. I had global opportunities. I led big teams with 70 plus million turnovers. Um, and I just grew. And I mean that in terms of my thinking, I loved it. And we we really um, had, when I think back now, real diversity of thought. We challenged every barrier set. And do, do you know what was, was lovely was that my team were really rewarded. You know, it rewarded them financially it gave them a purpose um and when I look back on so many of the individuals that I've developed and grown you know some of them are running their own business and they are if you don't mind my term smashing it every single day others have gone to do really really different things but I I feel a, a real connection and a a gratitude actually yeah. for recruitment for, for being able to work with people and make such a difference and that that really led to me then naturally I suppose the entrepreneur in me um wanting to do more and yeah. to really create a legacy and really provoke action and and challenge recruitment um both internally and and externally to then create and and and, and then form Scout S. Yeah wow and you, you, you did a bit of my job for me there, actually, because you kind of summarised. Because <laughs> um, obviously that's a really diverse zigzag journey. Oh, twists you know. and turns. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? 
Um, but you kind of did my job for me by kind of neatly putting a bar and kind of going, well, it was the people. The people kind of go through all of that journey with you and your fascination with people. And that's kind of what takes you to where you are today. Um, and that's um, that, that, that to me is really interesting because it's kind of like on their own, on a CV. I mean, as a recruiter, if you were to look at your CV, you'd kind of go, what was all that about? And you would need a conversation to kind of bring that to life, and the and the reasons why you'd have said yes to one role, and then the and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, and and as we're growing up, we might not even see that. And 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 again, as you said, it's good to reflect back on things because you see things, you know, when you've gone through a bit more in your life to understand why you've gone through the roles and the experiences you have gone through. I, I I totally agree. I think that the world of work continues to fascinate me and people are at its core. Um, and the world of work is challenging and the future of work is changing. And I think that zig and zag is absolutely the trajectory that mm. we will see those future generations taking. Um, you know, and, and that's probably a whole different conversation in terms of what a job seeker is looking for and that whole generational piece and how can clients, gosh, keep up to date and that whole attraction and retention and development piece. But I, I absolutely, to this day, love, love what I do and know that as recruiters, and I mean this in the right way, we have great power. So imagine if we use that to yeah. solve that problem of supporting leaders yeah. to think differently. Yes. And that's a, that's a, I think that's a, um, a, a different way of looking at recruitment, isn't it? Because it could just be a service. Um, hey, Mr. Job Seeker, I have a job for you and I'm going to connect you. Um, whereas it's, it sounds very much like the way you do it is you're engaging with the person that's looking to get a great employee and you're talking to them about the job and you're trying to also educate them on the type of person in the market and lead them a little bit to maybe encourage them to look at the job a little bit differently and, and expanding their understanding and their knowledge a bit more and there's, there's a bit more there's a bit more insight to that experience, I think, than just, hey, I've got somebody, you want somebody, thank you very much. I, I think that when I joined my first recruitment firm, they were clear to say, we are the experts. Mm. And we are not just a transaction. As much as our past may zig or zag, it is so important that you have a role where you have purpose, you yeah. have meaning, and you then become happier. Yeah. And that is what I believe recruitment should be about. For me, it's about seeing candidates thrive. That's when the magic happens. It's not about ringing the bell because, well, we place somebody, let's get the invoice. And yes, that's a transactional part, but it's more than that. And that whole retention piece. And, you know, if I look back now, Ian, I have candidates who I have placed and I'm introduced now to their family in terms of placing and my, my team. Because 
it's about career partners and it's a very intimate and I mean business intimate relationship if you are a recruitment consultant and I suppose for me now I'm in that executive world and my team are growing and we are really deep diving which actually we should be doing at every level because if someone's trusting their job search with me or my team I really want to support them. I do want to challenge their thinking. I do want to tell them about the market. But the important thing is that I want to introduce them to clients and organisations where their values are aligned and they can thrive, where they feel that there'll be equal pay, equal progression. And that is so where the six years of Scoutess and the hard work around that whole diversity and inclusion piece is about allowing everybody an opportunity to mm. get in and get on at work yeah. and so I I take my job seriously but I have fun and I think as recruiters we have a real level of accountability right now mm. yes no I'd agree I would absolutely agree so so Thinking about something a little bit more practical that maybe you can you can share with people then. Um, do you have a do you have a daily routine, and, and and is that something that you really stick with, or is it something that you're really flexible around? Yes and no, <laughs> and I promise you, I will give you a. a I. My morning routine is probably quite structured. And I think it really is about setting yourself up for that for that day. Mm -hmm. But I do think it is about having a level of fluidity and being adaptable, particularly in my role. When you're leading people, there are so many things that can happen. Um, in terms of that might impact their day, if we think of home and, and things of, of life and life's curveballs yeah. that can come in the way which might mean I have to do something differently or be there for them. Um, yeah. But also for recruitment, you know, we are very led by our clients and our candidates in terms of things landing. But for me, I have spent a lot of time, I, I used to be very futuristic if that's the word, in terms of, you know, let, let's let's work on this goal. What are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing next year? Maybe that's part of being strategic. But I do think there's context around it's so important that we make sure that we utilise what we have available right now. Yeah. And even one minute of those 60 seconds, you know, if you think and you stop and you literally do nothing for 60 seconds, it's quite a while. Mm -hmm. So... In terms of a daily routine, I am by nature, and now I've done all these testings, a real activator and achiever. Yeah. So my day has to have things I can tick off. Otherwise, I personally just don't feel that I have had impact. Mm -hmm. um, so my morning routine actually has 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 changed in that I, I wake up at a ridiculous time. I, I just do every day no matter if I go to bed late or what I've done the night before. And I now use that time to be grateful. Um, and, you know, I've had um, quite a bit of loss over the last, well, not quite a bit, a lot of loss in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And 
at a stage I lost a little bit of hope and hope's always been everything you know in terms of lessons that I've learned my mum and dad believe everything was possible there was nothing you can't do if you don't work hard enough <laughs> um so to get that hope back and in a world of recruitment and leading people and all the challenges it's really important to have that mm. that that gratefulness for me mm. Yeah. is really important so i i start my um morning by being really grateful and thankful for for everything that i have and from there that sort of spurs me on it sets my positivity and then i go into i, I do things maybe quite you know morning's good for me i'm quite highly productive i can think better and so for me i probably have more of a broad um daily but also weekly look around sort of more of the time slots I, I've done yeah, I need some tick boxes and we all have to-do lists but I think for me my week has to have time for me mm. my week has to have learning time yeah. my week has to have family time my week has to have me and my daughter's time my week has to have the future time and that really works for me by looking at it from a seven day breaking it into what I want to have time with and actually then having that focus within that because I mean Ian, I've done so many training sessions on time management and delegation and honestly I've written programs for years yeah. on that I I think the daily routine it's important and actually I like a bit of structure I didn't realize that but I do. So, you know, even things like in my role, there's still a lot of business development that you do in terms of reaching out to clients. I like to do that at seven. Okay. Yeah. That's the time when I will get a senior leader. I won't get a senior leader at 11 o'clock in the, in the morning when they're about to start a meeting or their third meeting. Yeah. yeah. Um, also later on at night. So actually what I've done is look at who, what am I trying to achieve in that day? Where's my contact point? How am I best to use my day to that? And then actually, then off I go to Pilates, as an example, at yeah. half 11, yeah. and then walk the dog at two o'clock. So, but I, I, I think going back to your point, so that I can add some value to to, to those that, that, that are, are listening, is that I think for you to have purpose and meaning and be happy, there is a level of achievement and there is a level of time that you need to spend doing the things that are important to you. Yeah. And sometimes you can't do that in a day. Yeah. But if you look at it maybe from a time slot, time planning, yeah. and then put elements of those in every day and just making sure that you have that time for you in that, because sometimes the days are long and, you know, I can work 50 I, I have a real strong work rate and stamina and I have done it I can work for hours and hours and hours but that probably isn't me being at my best yes yes okay so you, you know I think it's understanding how you work it's understanding the times where you are maybe at different input and output rates and mm. then planning your day around that yeah yeah no I like that um I was thinking as you were talking so the whole the whole idea of future leaders is that we help people and we help people kind of accelerate their learning by 
often passing on the learnings we've had by going through experiences a little bit before you. And it's almost like, as you say, you can do all the time management courses you like, but until you truly understand yourself and, and indeed your role within that, it can be quite difficult because you're just kind of working through a methodology. And if the methodology doesn't sort of match with you, then it's going to it's going to be a bit difficult. So I think there'll be a lot that people will take away from that that answer where they'll kind of go, right, okay, let's let's strip this back. Let's understand A, you know, like the example you give, there's no point saying to your boss, hey, I'm going to do all my calls between nine and five when the people you want to speak to mm-hmm. when they're super busy. So yeah. I need some time to do something else then, whether it be catching up on on what you want to do with your life or whatever it might be, but just kind of being a bit smarter about it. So there's a really good insights there that I think people will will take a lot from actually. And, and I think that the bit that I love right now is the term forced focus. And, you know, I am an individual. And if you think of, of, of that whole leadership piece, you wear so many hats, don't you? Yeah. And you're pulled into so many things. And it is about, you know, how do I manage my time? How do I manage others? How do I prioritize? But I think it's also about when you have decided to do something, to stick with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because there are so many distractions and that was the biggest thing. And I continue when I work with people and my team is around, look, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. I don't know how I'm going to finish this. You know, this keeps happening, that keeps happening. So there's different ways in which you can do it and you can speak to your team about, look, if if I do this signal, for example, I'm head down, so please don't distract me or whatever it might be as little techniques and do it in the the, the the right way but you know sometimes if I find my own mind distracting I say to myself right just look at the clock and I'm going to give myself at least 10 more minutes and I'm not giving up on this right now yeah whether I like it or not because sometimes you get in that groove and actually you start to flow yes and we all have those tasks if we're breaking it down in a granular level that we don't like doing and we put off but actually, if you've said you're forcing yourself to focus on that task, then give it your all. Yeah. And I think that bit is where I see in terms of leadership, even with my team and me, that you achieve more and you are actually more effective because you're just pushing yourself to follow through a bit more on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, so some really good practical bits of advice there. Um and and now we're going to move on to something a bit bigger, but I know it's a touch. So this is a question I ask in every one of my leaders' life stories. Um, but for you, I know this is this is part of your mission. This this whole kind of idea of, of bias in the workplace, and and I, I guess I'm I'm really intrigued on on your point of view here as to whether you think bias would be removed in in our generation, or even indeed your daughter's generation. Um, or is it something that's here to stay? I don't think it. I, I think elements will be here to stay. And I am an optimistic individual. <laughs> um, you know, if we look at parity, which is for me around if I am doing the same job as somebody else, but they are of a different sexual orientation or colour, should I be paid the same? for doing exactly the same job. Yes, I should, but currently 
it that is not the way the workplace is not equal um so if i look at a group that i represent which if we look at black women as an example it will take 134 years before there will be equal pay equal participation and equal progression so that's not my lifetime and that's not my daughter's lifetime wow however to have hope <laughs> there are definitely some really simple steps around awareness for example and closing that behavioral leadership gap which forums like this Ian is so important and actually should have that thread in every single conversation we have right now as leaders and as future leaders and as human beings around how can we accelerate the rate of change yes. and don't get me wrong you know this is not about blame here we all have bias mm. you, you know it's innate we yeah. are conditioned from the minute we come out of the womb we are then brought into a level of domestication and our beliefs are formed whether they're right or wrong through the conditioning that we we receive yes. um so you know we we can't you know gosh we, we can't change um I suppose some well we we can but we can't you know if we look at the past but in, in terms of can can bias I, I think we certainly could become more aware and I honestly believe that awareness is not about a course and I am an L&D practitioner still. So part of my role, which I didn't mention, is yes, I recruit, but I'm also a consultant. So I also go into organisations and look at it from a strategic perspective around how can we change. Um, so for, for me, our actions should be intentional and continual. Yes. And that's about us being aware of do we have diverse thoughts? Do we look around? Do we understand who is missing? Do we can is there a way that we can have a different lens or a different dialogue, a deeper conversation? And also to grow our own personal networks mm. and to really, you know, take responsibility yeah. for looking at our networks and thinking, well, actually, who do I spend my time with? How can I become more culturally intelligent? How can I then get my family to have maybe a slightly different lens? And I think I'm saying this not from a fatigue, I'm saying it from an excitement perspective because we live in a global world and we, many of us will at some stages interact. We have 5,000 interactions per day. Mm. 5,000, imagine the wonderful world we'd have if we could connect slightly deeper and think differently during a connection. Yeah. It would be powerful for us all. Yes, yeah. Well, some good, um, some wise words there, Karen. Thank you. So we're at the end of the podcast, um, and that's whizzed by, um, but I guess... <laughs> Finally, then, kind of, do you have a way next for you in your future? Um, or is it just kind of 
more of the same zigzagging? It's, um, I'm open to zigzag, yeah. for sure, because we don't know what's around the corner in terms yeah. of, of life. But yeah. the next chapter for, for me in work and life is to really connect, to connect differently, to connect deeper. And Ian, my whole purpose, honestly, is to create that legacy at work. And, you know, I want to accelerate everything I've done for the last six years, everything I've been about in the last 20 years, and really continue to work with wonderful organisations, amazing people who share my sentiment and want to change and to honestly just create, and, and, you know, a, a, a workplace that will be like we never thought we could do. So, you know, some huge, big, hairy goals right there that I find exciting. So I want excitement in yeah. my next chapter, surrounded by that common theme of people, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there we have it then, Karen. I think, I think this is a podcast that has has so much that you've offered. So I think you've offered absolutely a positive approach to things and, and just the, the language that you use and the the way in which you express yourself, there's, there's inspiration like splattered through the whole thing. Um, there's loads of practical advice that I think you've given people there, but you, I think there's also that mission where if people want to get involved, then they should absolutely get in touch with you. That that statistic you, you mentioned of 134 years, that's something that, you know, we should be working on, that we should be trying to turn around. And I know that's something that, that you know, you you have some plans for and that, that word legacy, where you're looking to provoke the industry and people to change things. So... People listening today, they're going to get a lot from from today's podcast, and I'm really really grateful for your your time, your insight, and your inspiration. Thank you very much. Oh, Ian, it's been brilliant. Loved it, and and thank you for for having me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Karen. Um. So as always, um, thank you for choosing to listen to What the Future. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we are here to help. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button on our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com, and follow us on LinkedIn to jump into our discussions. So for now, goodbye, and we'll speak again soon.